welcome to the College Football Bros, episode number 69. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who wanted Georgia for that fourth spot. Yeah, that would be me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother, who also wanted Georgia. I did, yep, that was Trey Newman. All right, we'll get to that in a minute, but first, we got to talk about the College Football Pick'em League. It's now over, of course, but there's some drama. Stone Cold Drew Locks came in first place and, of course, therefore has the right to the highly coveted prizes, which are the personalized voicemail from Beth Moens, a digital fourth bro award, and a College Football Bros t-shirt, but we received an email literally like a half hour before recording this from Stone Cold Drew Locks, and here's what it says. And the subject is Stone Cold Asterisk, which I think should be the title of the, the 30 for 30 that will be made about this. <laughs> yeah, this is quite a story. So he says, bros, love the podcast. He didn't actually say that, but um, he probably, yeah, he probably, no, of course he not. would say that if he thought about it. Uh, no doubt. He actually did say that, so just for the record. (laughs) Had a blast competing in your Yahoo Pick'em, but there is no way I would feel right winning anything considering how Rick Saban was torching the field all season. I'd like to respectfully decline the prizes. I would take much greater pleasure in knowing that Rick Saban is now the honorary fourth bro. Let's show the man some grace for missing a week. Let's make this happen. Tom from Columbia, Missouri. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. Mind Whoa. blown. <laughs> Whoa. What do we classy, do, guys? Classy gesture. It was a classy, classy gesture. gesture. Very yeah. class act. He's a class act. Yeah. He really is. Giving up such, you know, great prizes. I mean, wow, that's... Oh, I, do, you, do you think he just was like, thanks, but no thanks? I, don't, I really don't want oh. those prizes? It's <laughs> like, yeah, please don't send those to me. I, don't <laughs> I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> so what do we do? I I mean, we got to respect his wishes. He is the winner, so he he kind of should get to decide, right? Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. And and Rick and uh what? Rick Saban, he he was going to kill everybody, so. Yeah, we should have given him a little mulligan for that missing one week. Yeah. So, okay. If it was two that was weeks, a tough week though. It was a tough week though. He could have gone like over. <laughs> he yeah. would have needed to go <laughs> 2 and 23 for him not to have won. Yeah. So, Let's give it to Rick Saban. Uh, so, Rick, send us an email to collegefootballbros at gmail.com and let us know your t-shirt size and an address for us to rob. I mean, for us to send the t-shirt. Yeah. Excuse. Yeah. Right. Okay. Did I? Should we? Should I edit that? Please. No. Okay. Uh, the bros. How about us? We all had winning records. Yeah. Bravo. Bravo. We'll take it. Uh, Trey, you came in first, though, by three games. That's right. Well done. Ryan, you and I tied. So I think we got to do a tiebreaker to determine who came in last among the bros, who came in third. I like to look at it as who came in second, but that's just eh. me. Okay. Well, you know, eh, eh, eh. Tony Romo. Eh, eh. Uh, Army Navy points scored. What do you think, Ryan? Yep. All right. Uh, well, let's see. I, I did not look at the forecast for the, the weather. Is this game in Philly again? Or, I believe it is. Uh, where is. Is it in Philly? All right. Well, 
the weather usually plays a big factor, but uh, I'm going to go, they don't score much in that one. I'm going to say 39. Okay, 38.9. You SOB. <laughs> no, I'll go, I'll go 37. I think that's more fair. Well, it's going to be a 24-14 ball game now. Yeah, that would be a problem. We, yeah. Well, we'd figure something else out. We'd <laughs> Hey, how about Greco-Roman wrestling? No, thanks. No okay. Thanks. Well, <laughs> think about it. I'm Don't good. say no. I'm, In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to accept an answer. Sleep on it. What about some, what's a, a lemon essence, the, the oil? It, it's a lemon essence, and it is delightful. <laughs> that is a deep cut. I'm not sure if anyone knows that reference. Yeah, that'd be Email impressive. us, and yeah. I'm not sure what we'll give them. Just uh, props, I guess. <laughs> some props, there you go. <laughs> okay, uh, let's get to probably what everyone wants to hear about, the playoff rankings. Hold up, hold up, hold up, past Michael. It is Michael from the future, and I'm going to let you finish, but for now, we have to interrupt this podcast for some breaking news. Uh, We had already recorded the entire episode, and of course, some breaking news this morning. Urban Meyer has announced his retirement, effective after the Rose Bowl. Ryan Day will take over as head coach. He just received a five-year contract. We'll talk about our thoughts on that promotion in a minute, but... First off, guys, what is uh, what is your reaction to this news? Yeah, well, my initial reaction is I'm not that surprised. Um, based off of his health, you know, they already had reports of the cyst in his brain, and he had some major headaches. So that was kind of the telltale sign that maybe his time was coming to a close. And then obviously, what happened during the off season and being suspended for three games that was weighed on him for sure as well. So. I mean, they had a great year when he came back. They were eleven and one, and they're twelve and one. And so maybe you thought, I guess, I if I had to put up, uh, um, if I had to guess, I would have said, okay, he's going to come back. Um, mm-hmm. But still, not shocked that he he had decided to leave. No, I'm not shocked. Uh, they he it was pretty tumultuous year for him, and and he kind of has a track record of of doing you know similar things. Obviously, he left Florida um, with with some quote unquote health issues and, and then obviously the whole off- <laughs> shots yeah, fired there. <laughs> what? It's a fact. Well, you said quote unquote. I mean, it made it sound like it, he didn't really have. Oh, health oh yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that heart issue that he had, but, uh, but either way, the one thing I, I do want to say though, about the program is Ohio state might look a little bit worse right now, considering, you know, they had a chance to kind of make a statement and, and, fire him or terminate him and and as it turns out you know nine they suspend him for three games but you know nine games later they he ends up uh bailing on him so it was uh they could have they could have handled it a little better and made themselves look better instead they got a bunch of scrutiny but uh but as far as the other side i don't necessarily think he's done i i think he uh you mm-hmm. know he's he's fairly young and give him a couple years uh to rejuvenate refresh the the fire will burn and i wouldn't be surprised to see him land somewhere else down the road yeah i i do believe him i i think that press conference from the bits and pieces i saw i think he was he was being honest he he did of course say i think the health issues were the top reason that he's stepping down and i definitely believe that's true uh yeah. but he was honest that the events this summer of course played a factor as well yeah they they had to yeah so I believe him when he said when he says he doesn't plan to coach, uh, but I I agree. If I had to guess, I think someday he will come back. Uh, it would have to be for obviously 
you know, maybe a, a Notre Dame or uh, USC. Yeah, USC. It would have to be a very good job. But um, I think that's a few years at least in the future. Yeah, I mean, he's 54. So, what, we got some coaches quite a bit older than that coming back, like mm-hmm. Mac Brown. So, but yeah, I, less I, miles. I, I like Trey's point, though, about how. Ohio State really could have maybe saved face a little bit better a couple months ago. I mean, is it really worth all the headaches that they, well, no pun intended really with the headaches, but Oof. yeah. Um, is it worth all of the problems and the issues that they had and the the scrutiny that they got just to have Urban Meyer for what, nine games or 10 games? Yeah. If he was just going to retire anyway. So, I mean, they could have looked a lot better if they totally got rid of him. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Um Okay, well, well, and also, how about Urban Meyer's legacy? They asked him, will this be a part of your legacy? Will the, the Zach Smith situation? And he was honest about that, too. He said, yeah. And, and he said it bothered him, which, understandably, but... Uh, yeah. How do you think he'll be remembered? I mean, I, I mean he's exactly not dead. The way he he's said not it. dead, so... <laughs> no, he's not <laughs> he's dead, but there's always going to be a little bit of an asterisk on, on his coaching career. I mean, he had a great career. I mean... He's uh, one of the best coaches ever. He is. I mean, I, I saw a stat today. He was the third most winningest coach of all time that's coached for at least 10 years. The other two were Newt Rockney and Frank Leahy. And, you know, those guys were way, way, way a long time ago. So mm-hmm. if we're talking modern college football, he's the best. Okay. Well, what do you guys think about the promotion of, of Ryan Day? Does that, does that make sense to you? You know, I was a little surprised uh, by it just because, you know, a program like Ohio State – uh, I wasn't necessarily, you know, Ryan Day to me kind of seemed like more of a of a hire that you would do if it was in the interim, kind of like they did earlier in the the season. They made him the interim coach, but uh, you know, I, all the reports are saying that that he and the program loves him. So, I mean, I'm I'm sure he's uh, I'm sure he's legit. I was just surprised he's getting a five year deal, and you know, Ohio State it recruits itself, so. That part I'm not too concerned about. They're they're going to be fine in that regard. But uh, I am inter- I'm really interested though to see how it goes. Just coming down from a high like like Urban Meyer. Yeah. No. I mean, I agree with you that I'm a little surprised just based off of his coaching career. It hasn't really there's he hasn't been a head coach before, so it's a little light on experience. Um, I'm not surprised that he got a five year deal. I mean, that's kind of the minimum. If you're going to be higher head coach, you can't hire less yeah. than that because you need to recruits are going to need to see at least five years. Um, but it is a little surprising. I mean, it's just the fact that he hasn't had a ton of experience, although he appears to be or I guess he was the most qualified candidate on the staff. So, you know, and times are good right now for Ohio State. So you don't really want to go hire somebody from the outside right, or need to really. So it's like, hey, let's keep this thing going. Uh, who's the best guy that can take over for Urban? And that guy was Ryan Day. Yeah, I agree. I'm usually not a fan of of just promoting from within, especially at a place like Ohio State, because you can go out and get so many great coaches, of course. Um, but this is a lot different than the situation at USC with Clay Helton, because uh, Clay Helton was a guy not a lot of schools would have wanted him as their head coach. But Ryan Day is yeah is very respected around the country last year i think i read that mississippi state i think had offered him that job or at least they wanted to interview him so okay yeah other schools wanted him um so it would have been a reasonable hire even if he wasn't at ohio state so i'm definitely okay with it i think it's the right move keep the recruiting class intact and yeah yeah like you said ryan just keep keep it rolling 
and he's you know he's also under the the Chip Kelly coaching tree. He played mm-hmm. for him at New Hampshire, uh, and he coached under him a couple years. Um, and he was you know he had a couple good years as offensive coordinator at BC, uh, like the Andre Williams, I think year he was there. So um, he, he's got some good experience as far as under great coaches. So he's got that going for him. Okay, well, we actually had some more breaking news. So many things happened after we yeah. finished our podcast. Uh, according to Bruce Feldman, Cliff Kingsbury has agreed to become the offensive coordinator for USC. Wow. I'm sure you and are super excited about that one. I am, yes, I am very pumped. Uh-huh. It was looking like a dark off season for for yeah. USC fans, but something to look forward to. Yeah, I'm sure you're hoping he takes over the head coaching job in the near future as the interim coach and then permanently. <laughs> I'm not I'm not willing to go that far. Not willing to go that <laughs> well, far yet. You're just you're you're hoping. I'm hoping he could definitely I want him to be the face of the program. That's for sure. You no doubt about that. <laughs> Do you want him to coach with his shirt off on the sideline? Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Trey. Um <laughs> because a lot of people just kind of give credit to Cliff Kingsbury, you know, the the face, you know, the jawline, the scruff, those piercing blue eyes. <laughs> but I think there's some short shrift given to his body, his physique. Yeah. Body of work. I'm sorry. His body of work. Oh, you're I'm right. talking about yeah. his oh. coaching resume. Oh, yeah. Career. yeah. You mean the way he develops receivers and quarterbacks? Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 That's what I was talking about. Right. Naturally. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, other news. Kelly Bryant is transferring to Mizzou. Meh. Um, I mean, we've got all off season to talk about these things. So maybe yeah. we should just call it a get day. Get back to the podcast. Should we, should we let the, the past bros keep talking it's about time all right let's let's throw it back uh michael you're doing a great job uh, keep up the good work and continue number one alabama number two clemson number three notre dame of course those were kind of knew that was going to happen but number four is oklahoma and we of course all thought that georgia should be number four so trey why did you think that so first of all, I can't wait to see what Oklahoma's offense can do up against this Bama defense. And I'm and I'm I'm not saying that OU isn't deserving. But after watching Georgia play down the stretch of the season and particularly in this Alabama game, it's really hard for me to say that Georgia isn't a top 4 team. Now I I really do see both sides of the argument. You know, you one side you say okay, they have two losses and this SEC championship was their playoff game. And people don't want to see a rematch next. But but say Georgia had one. They'd both be in the playoff anyway, and no one would have a gripe or complaint about a potential rematch there. Yeah, and and that's not the committee's job is to to worry about rematches or whether this was a playoff game. They 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 look at the whole entire season, look at the resume and and decide the four, you know, most deserving teams. Yeah, but probably my biggest point on this and the the other aspect is why punish a team and why punish them for their plus one or conference championship game where they lose barely to one of the most dominant number one teams in our era? Uh, and it wasn't a gimmick or fluke that they were in the game. There weren't any crazy like injuries or trick plays. It just they were winning man for man and they just happened to be a little short. Yeah, I mean, I think you said it well. They're They're getting punished for having to play against the best team in the country because if they had played, let's just say, Pitt right. and played the exact same way then or let's say that they played worse they won three to zero which is clearly a worse performance but at that point we'd say they definitely or, or people would say they definitely deserve to be in right yeah 
But instead, of course, yeah, they play one of the best teams of our lifetime and almost beat them. And so I'm going to look at that as a great performance. I, of course, losses count, but we can we can also provide context to that and decide who they're playing against. So I, I think what Georgia did is more impressive than being tied in the fourth quarter against Texas and winning by 12. I so and, and Georgia was ahead of them before the week. Everyone agreed on that. We already knew that Georgia had lost by 20 to LSU, and we still had them ahead of Oklahoma. Right. So I don't yeah. I didn't see anything that would make me change my mind about that. Yeah, I you guys said a lot of the things that I was thinking there, but Michael, especially you when you were saying I mean, a seven point loss to Alabama and the way they did it is definitely more impressive than a 12 point win to Texas to me. And so they are absolutely getting punished for having to play one of the best teams ever. And it just, if you look at the rest of their season, though, that other than the LSU game, they won every other single game by at least two touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, OU was struggling with, you know, quite a few squads throughout the year. So Georgia was, if you just look pound for pound, game by game, I don't know how you can look at um, them and not say that they're a better team overall than OU. It's and, just... and to give some specifics to your your talk about Oklahoma struggling, they had to go to overtime to beat Army at home. They almost lost to Texas Tech, who had a losing record. They almost lost at home to Oklahoma State, who went 6-6. Six and six. They let Kansas hang around for three quarters. West Virginia, they barely won. Yeah, which is a tough game, but I still. Tough so game, but still. You put all of those games kind of together... Because LSU's bad part of their resume kind of all came in one game. It just all came in that LSU game. That's the only blip. Or, they lost by 20 yeah, on the road against yeah. a tough team, but still, it's it's obviously not good. But Oklahoma had several games that maybe weren't quite as bad as that, though you could argue, could argue some of them were. Army but, in overtime, yeah. Right. But it, when you combine all of Oklahoma's negatives, I think that outweighs Georgia's negatives. Yeah. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, but I think all of us, I mean, Trey, you brought it up. I think this argument was relatively close, even though I made that impassioned argument. I I have not much of a problem with Oklahoma going. I think it's a reasonable choice. Yep. I No, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I mean, and I think the committee so far, that now that, since we've had a committee, I thought like they've done a good job. You know, they're, yeah, they do a good job looking at analytics and the eye test, but combine that also with kind of just deserving. Um, yeah. Well, I disagree with them on this one. It's not like a huge craziness, but... Right. Um, I actually think our friend Braden Hodges said it best on Twitter. He said, the real number four team is all the friends we made along the way. Oh, that's, <laughs> Which, that's classic. I, I, I love that. That is one of the funniest tweets I've ever read. <laughs> um, didn't, didn't get the love that it deserved. Sorry, Braden. Not many retweets. No, I don't. I don't know if it had any. Re- I didn't even. I sh- I forgot to retweet. I should have wow. retweeted it, but <laughs> I didn't do my part. Too late now. I feel like. Yeah, it's all right. It's got. It's getting run on the pod now. Yeah, exactly. That that's that's worth a million retweets. That's right. <laughs> Question on Instagram from A D J K E F H J. What? Adjkovich. Must be Russian, right? Probably. Ohio State and Notre Dame have two common opponents, Michigan and Northwestern. To me, I think Ohio State easily looked better than Notre Dame against both. Do you think Notre Dame would be favored over Ohio State if they played now? And he also sent us a tweet 
questioning whether Notre Dame should even be in the playoff given what he calls their weak schedule. So what do you think about that, Trey? So first of all, I agree that Ohio State looked better in those two games. Uh, maybe not easily, but I, I think they, they looked better. But unfortunately for Ohio State, they just had so many ga- other games where they looked less than stellar. Um, as far as these two matching up, I think Ohio State would be favored over the Irish, and and I would probably pick Ohio State if if they were they did did actually square off. But along this topic, Peter Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network he tweeted something out today that that really made me think, and and it's fascinating. Here's the tweet: If BYU played the exact schedule with the same exact results as Notre Dame, there is zero way that would have been considered a top four team. Now, his case is that Notre Dame's brand is the reason they're in. Um, I'm not saying I entirely I, agree. And if you, if, I, I totally disagree with that. There's zero way. I mean, that's what I'm see, sure I, Notre Dame gets some boost, just like any big Power Five school gets some boost from, I guess, their brand. But that they're, I think BYU would have been in with that resume as well. Yeah, I went over Michigan, uh, you know, Syracuse. I don't agree that they'd have zero chance, but I I do agree that it might not be a shoe in. Let's put it that way. I think it would be a shoe in, but that's just me. Yeah, like you said, right? I mean, not only beating Syracuse and Stanford, dominating them, and the, but yeah, the Michigan win. Yeah, that's... the Michigan win is so. Guys, now I I understand the committee, but wouldn't you say Georgia's better than Notre Dame? Probably. Yeah, it, yeah. I, I definitely think they are, and I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because it. Reminds me of something I wanted to say. So there's a lot of talk about, of course, the the language they use is the four best teams. And that's what the committee uses. And it sounds good, but they're not trying to find the four best teams. Within because, reason, kind of. It's like... Yeah, it, it's a mixture of best and most deserving. Because if they were, if all they cared about was finding the four best teams, then let's go to that Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game where Oklahoma State's going for two. Um, let's say it, it wasn't quite the end of the game, but let's say it was. It was they're going for two to win, and Taylor Cornelius had a guy open. If Taylor Cornelius makes that pass or doesn't make that pass, that has very little to do with how good Oklahoma is, right? Like it's one play. It has almost nothing to do with how good they are. Mm-hmm. Yet, if he did make that pass and they win, then the committee wouldn't even be considering Oklahoma for that fourth spot. So, uh, no, and and that's and that's what we want, right? We want that loss to to count somewhat. So, um, yeah, there, that's that's all I have to say. I mean, I, I want losses to count, but I also want to be like realistic. Say, who are the best teams? I mean, I, I don't want to fumble here late in one game or a two point conversion that wasn't wasn't made to cost a team a chance at a national title when they're deserving of a top four team like I well just... i mean i think it i think that i'm okay with it costing a team i just don't want us to totally ignore that context fair enough fair enough i do think wins and losses should count obviously i just think even with that loss georgia deserved to be in agreed fair enough um but as far as the getting back to the original question is the ohio state notre dame who would be favored i I agree with Trey. I think Ohio State would be favored by a little bit, and I would probably pick them to win that game. But I, to say that uh, Notre Dame doesn't deserve to be in the playoff, I, I would disagree with that. Yeah, and I'm not saying that. It was just it was an interesting tweet I read. Right, and their their resume, by the way, their strength of schedule is 42nd 
according to Sagarin, Ohio State's is 40th. So they're about the same schedule. Um, and Ohio State's not in the playoff. No, and Ohio State, well, they got blown out one game. So <laughs> I, know, I know. I'm not saying Ohio State deserves to be in. <laughs> okay, let's recap championship week. And we will start with the Pac-12 championship. Washington beat Utah 10 to 3 in front of a packed house in Santa Clara. That was oh, man. an incredible atmosphere. Right environment. What were you able to hear the announcers through all the noise or I don't know. It was rough, man. I mean, maybe they should go to a home field uh for the Pac-12 title game so they can get <laughs> it some It might fans be a good there. idea. Yeah, wow, this was rough. Or I mean, Vegas. But, well, you can't go wrong with Vegas, yeah. Um but if, yeah, if you wanted to know why the Pac-12 was left out of the playoff yeah, I mean, this was case in point here. It's, neither team could do anything offensively. And I mean, while each team has good defenses, they're not that incredible. Um, and UW, they, they got pretty lucky on that last that last play, that fourth down play where, where Utah, yeah. you, the, the receiver was clearly interfered with by Byron Murphy. But I mean, even if the penalty was called, Utah still would have had to go about 25 yards in less than 30 seconds, um, which... I don't know what the percentage of them scoring a touchdown, but I would give it less than a quarter. <laughs> less than yeah, I mean, given what they had point. looked like the entire game, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in that. Yeah, it wasn't likely they were going to go score. So, I mean, it, I don't know. It's a good win for UW. Just, they obviously didn't quite have it this year, but they still won the Pac-12. And, you know, they were the clear favorites heading into the year. And, you know, they did what they were, were supposed to, win the, win the Pac-12. Yeah, I, I think it's very telling that in what is certainly perceived and I guess should be perceived as a down year for Washington, they still, yeah, went 10 and 3 and won the Pac 12. So just kind of shows you where Chris Peterson has that program. Yep, exactly. And the fact that the only touchdown in this game yeah. came on a ridiculous pick six was very fitting. The the Utah receiver, I'm trying to remember, he he was trying to catch it and it like bounced off his knee or something up in the air. And yeah. Byron Murphy caught it and ran it back for for a touchdown that's the only touchdown um so jason jason shelley was totally in over his head against this what i think is still probably the best secondary in the country and then on the other side jake browning just continued his mostly underwhelming season yeah Yeah. i agree this this game it really symbolized the pac-12 as a whole this year i mean on paper it had potential even even with their lackluster teams i kind of thought this might be a an entertaining game and ended up being entertaining in a a different way and uh we even got a taste of not entertaining right exactly (laughs) (laughs) ryan ryan you touched on the the refs you got a, a a taste of the you know the hashtag Pac-12 refs uh, on yeah, that last call, not, not but I would I would say in hindsight that as the season went on, what even it was down, Washington and Washington State were the best teams, so it was probably fitting that that one of them won the conference. Utah was pretty close there. I got it. You know, they. I agree, but I mean, I'm just saying with the injury, if, yeah, with, especially with the injury. But yeah, if Huntley stayed healthy, yeah, they might have won. Sure. Yeah, I agree. Big 12 championship, Oklahoma beat Texas 39 to 27. Trey, what'd you think? So it was actually a little lower scoring than we uh, anticipated. Yeah, yeah but a uh, it was an exciting game. There were a lot of emotional swings. Texas had an early lead up 14 6, but then OU had three unanswered touchdowns to go up 27 14. Texas battles back to tie it. And then finally, Murray and and Calcaterra hooked up for the ceiling touchdown. It was a great catch with uh, with two two minutes left. 
And and Murray, Kyler Murray might have won the Heisman with his performance capping off yeah. just an insane year. He threw for 379, three scores. And and Ryan, you pointed this out while we were watching the game. To me as well, the key sequence was at the end of the first half when Texas had the ball in Oklahoma territory with under two minutes to go, but penalties and their offense stalled. It made them punt. Oklahoma ended up scoring a touchdown on a five-play, 80-yard drive in 41 seconds right before the half. So right yeah. there, that was a huge momentum swing. Yeah, it was second and 12. Yeah, you said second and 25? Well, what they had the ball under yeah, two minutes. Yeah, they had the ball with about two so. minutes. OU had zero timeouts, and they, they should have run it twice, and they would have been essentially halftime, and they would have gone in. You mean Texas had the ball? Yeah, Texas had the ball, in, and then they – got a penalty that forced him back second and 25 and if they would have just run two plays in a row just to run it they would have been like 20 seconds left for OU so and they I don't know it, Texas would have been up by one they're up by one at that point so yeah but I think when you have the ball in this game and you have a chance to go up against the OU defense and you've got Colin Johnson yeah. the way he's playing and you've got uh little Jordan Humphrey second and 25 that's not like oh man we can't get that we better just it's, we better just run. Yeah, I don't know. I, I said it right before as it happened, so I I I was thinking they should have, but that's just me. Yeah. Well, I, I did think after that sequence you guys are talking about that Texas was done, but they weren't. I mean, they, they battled yeah. back into it, and it just ended up again this week. Oklahoma's defense made a big play, of course, with that, that safety that Ellinger just did not see coming. Uh, and then they did get away with a couple pass interference calls late. Yeah, that ended up sealing the game, but uh, hey, they didn't call him. No, um, and, and in this game, I know Ellinger he had a really good game as well, but Kyler Murray he's really just on another level, um, and he's a difference maker, especially in a game like this. Um, but just overall, I was kind of su- surprised at how poorly Texas ran the ball um, against the the Sooners. Um, but you do have to give. Oklahoma some credit on their defensive side they stepped up only allowed 27 points had the safety like you mentioned um in the previous four games they had given up at least 40 in every game so this was uh, a step in the right direction for sure one thing we got to watch out for uh, of course Marquise Brown hurt his ankle in this game and it looks up in the air as to whether he'll be ready for the playoff really that's a few weeks away you think uh yeah I mean right now yeah hmm, that's that's too bad SEC championship, Alabama beat Georgia 35 to 27. And Tua, of course, hurt his ankle early in the game and was limping. But kind of as we talked about earlier, that was not the only reason that Georgia was winning. They were dominating the line of scrimmage. Tua was making some bad decisions regardless of, yeah. of his health. Yeah. The Alabama receivers were dropping passes. But of course, they hung in there. And when they were down 28 21 in the fourth quarter, Jonah Williams stepped onto his ankle and he went out and then in came Jalen Hurts, little roll reversal, same same stadium as the national championship yep. last year. And this time Jalen came in to save the day. Of course, he tied it up at 28. And then Georgia had the ball, three minutes left. Of course, this is oh my the God. craziest oh play of the God. game. It's tied. Oh. And they ran a fake punt. Oh. What uh what did you guys think about that call? Just what are you doing? Like fourth and eleven? It wasn't like fourth and two or fourth and three. Yeah. Oh my god! Just so stupid. I maybe this is contrarian, but I don't mind the call. Like I don't mind going for a fake punt 
at, at midfield, you know, trying to win, the, trying to yeah. put yourself in position to win the game in regulation. But what I don't like, you know, if if you really liked the call you had, if you felt like there was a, a decent chance of success. But of course, what I don't like is Alabama came out in, in punt safe, right? So they were, yeah, it appeared it gonna they work. were ready for it. Yeah, they were lined up in like their base defense. Like it was just like, yeah, that's not going to work. No. So, uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't mind the call, gutsy call, but uh, the execution and the not getting out of it at the last second was was not good. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so, of course, it was not successful. And Jalen Hurts drove down the field or drove down the half field and ran in for what turned out to be the game winning touchdown. Yeah, so, it's uh, yeah, man, it's too it's too bad. Georgia couldn't pull this one out. Um especially since kind of like I mentioned earlier, they were the better team for the majority of this game. Um, they had more yards, they had more first downs, two less turnovers and won the possession time of possession battle by more than 10 minutes. So it's, it's surprising that they couldn't pull it out. Um, but yeah, fake punt. Ugh, man, come on. <laughs> Jake Fromm was awesome, by the way. He was awesome. I mean, I, I know that fake punts hindsight's twenty twenty on that, but I mean, you could have pinned Alabama deep in their territory. And I know Jalen Hurts had a, a good previous possession, but you know, make challenge Jalen Hurts to put the ball through the air because we've seen in the past he's not, you know, great at doing that. So I don't know if 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 it was Tua, maybe it would have been a little different. But yeah, that was that was rough. Um, but obviously, I think that other big play you, we didn't mention yet is that missed field goal by Hot Rod. I mean, yeah, yeah, it it was twenty eight fourteen. He could have made it thirty one. I mean, maybe that alters the flow of the game there. I mean, you know, I know Georgia or Alabama ends up getting thirty five, but. It, it turns into a three-score game, and it, things change. So that was a big miss. Yeah, the, uh, these two, it's crazy, though. They, lo- they love to play some classic games. They even had the SEC championship a few years back with Aaron Murray coming down to the final seconds, and then obviously the last year's national title on this one. They were all in Atlanta, all great. And the one crazy stat is that Georgia, in their last two meetings, national championship in this year, Georgia has led or been tied in 119 minutes of the total 120 and they lost both games oof ouch i mean oh that's that's brutal wow that is brutal that's rough okay let's let's move on from that and get to the acc championship game now this is a game we want to talk about clemson (laughs) yeah this is the one 42 to 10 ryan how surprised were you with the outcome of this game stunned shocked uh yeah really thought Pitt would put up a, a a good fight here no no nothing surprising about this one um well maybe other than the fact that Kenny Pickett only threw for eight yards on 16 <laughs> attempts <laughs> this, a 0.5 average I, this is a four for 16 and eight yards I mean it's, it's wow I, I and an, I think you might and an interception and he lost yeah. two fumbles too just uh, I could have played better I probably not, but wow, wow! If I would have just sat down every time I snapped, that's true. The ball, if you had taken a yeah. knee, that would have been better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I could well, have done it. This game, what was the worst game we had this year at quarterback? It was uh, my boy um, Art Sitkowski. Art Sitkowski. What did he do? Do you remember? I can't remember the stat line, but didn't he have like four? Okay, picks well, or I'll something? look it up. I'll look yeah, it up. Go ahead. I'll get. I'll move on. But you know, Clemson's obviously got a very, very good defense. But you know, I mean, this is pretty bad when. Uh, this is the best that the ACC Coastal has to offer is Pitt. Uh, that was that was pretty bad. So pretty much the worst Power 5 division. But as far as Clemson moving forward, I've talked about this before. You guys kind of disagree with me. 
Michael kind of rolls his eyes when I talk about it. Trevor Lawrence. He worries me a little bit. <laughs> okay. He, okay. He, he does. I mean, he was 12 for 24 in this game. Um, and I, I just don't think he's quite at that level yet where he's good enough to go and beat an Alabama, an elite defense. Um, I mean, I, I, at least you guys can maybe agree with this, that he's, he's nowhere near the level of junior year Deshaun Watson when Clemson won the national title. He's not even close. No. And, you know, Watson was amazing. He was incredible then. So I just don't, I don't see that from Lawrence. I, I, I think he's a little too inconsistent and I don't, I don't know. Yeah, but no one's also no one's really expecting them to beat Alabama either. I mean, I'm, yeah, he, but he's only a true freshman. I'm I'm not saying yeah he's he's the chosen one and he's gonna he's gonna beat them this year. But uh, but as far as this game, Pitt they had they had no chance, especially when they you give up on the first play of the game, you give up a seventy five yard rushing touchdown. I mean that that's just yeah oh it was God. over after that. I know I know Pitt kind of came back a little bit, but it was over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> complete joke of a of a title game nothing much more to say than Clemson did what they were supposed to they dominated in every category and the one thing the one storyline about Clemson and the ACC is that even though it's been a little down this year really down um they've won four straight ACC titles so that's that's nothing to to sneeze at yeah is that? I'm gonna go with that okay <laughs> and OU OU's won four straight yeah Big 12s right so uh okay Art Sitkowski this is what we've been waiting for. Two for 16 Ooh. for eight yards. Wow. So a lo- little bit worse, I guess. Yeah. Four interceptions. <laughs> I, I knew he had four interceptions. So, wow. that, so was that was worse. Pretty similar. And it was against Maryland, not Clemson. So, <laughs> uh, But yeah, wow. I mean, I think you guys, I, we don't need to spend any more time on this game. Uh, Big Ten Championship. Northwestern hung around until the fourth quarter, but ended up losing 45 to 24. Trey. What'd you see here? Yeah, this game went about as expected. Uh, Ohio State racked up over 600 yards of offense, 45 points. Haskins threw for 499, five touchdowns, and that pretty much sealed a Heisman ceremony invite for him. Now, Northwestern, they, they kind of made it interesting when they cut the lead to 24-21 early in the third, but you pretty much knew watching this game they didn't really have much of a chance. Uh, from that point on, Ohio State outscored them 21-3, to so... Overall, it's a good win for o- Ohio State, but it wasn't a big statement uh, to sneak them into the playoff. Obviously, no. When they when when Northwestern cut it to twenty four twenty one, that was pretty much the nail in the coffin in any chance that Ohio State had to make the playoff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, because they had they would have had to completely dominate. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, the, Ohio State they pulled away late just because they have too much talent and Haskins was unreal. He's he had an, an amazing year this year and that's just the way they've had to win their ball games this year because they can't run the ball. I mean, they ran 46 times in this game for 108 yards. That's I mean, that's horrible. It's not great. You would think they would just bust one at least, but their longest run was only 11 yards. That's uh, just crazy bad for a team as talented as they are um and th- as good at running backs as they have. So I mean, they're, they should, they're obviously disappointed they didn't make the playoff, but I don't, I mean, even maybe some Buckeye fans could maybe admit that they might not deserve it. I think most of them don't think they did, actually, from yeah. what I've seen. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this game was, was sort of Ohio State's season in a nutshell. You mentioned offensively, Ryan, but in a defensively nutshell? too. They, what's that? In a Bucknut? Oh, oh yeah, in a Buckeye shell. Uh, 
Sorry, sorry. No, you've you've really yeah, just well. messed me up there. What was I saying? What was I talking about? <laughs> it's is Ohio State season in a nutshell. Oh, that's they, right. Yeah, because the defense, because the defense, defense they yeah. were going up not against, of course, a great offense. They're going up against a bad offense in Northwestern. And according to S and P Plus, at least uh, Northwestern had their third best game of the season. So, yeah, that defense was why Northwestern, why Ohio State didn't make the playoff, and their running game. Okay, but mostly the defense. I would put, like, if we're doing a blame pie here, I'm giving, like, yeah. 80%, 90% to the defense. Yeah. All right, I kind of agree with you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Time for the rapid recaps. We got to go through the G5 conference championship game. So, all right, Ryan, get us started. Yeah, I'm going to start with the Mac. I'm surprised you gave me this game instead of uh, Trey. Trey is uh, our Mac guy. Sorry. That's okay. This was a crazy game. It was a crazy game. Northern Illinois was down 29 to 10 uh, in the second half, and they came back to beat Buffalo 30 to 29. Just a crazy heartbreaking loss for for Buffalo. And they somehow allowed the much maligned Northern Illinois offense to come to life. And Marcus Childers threw for 300 yards and four touchdowns. So career game for yeah, him. That's, that's like the stat of the year yeah, that's, that's like, incredible yeah it's nuts for for him <laughs> so it was a, a kind of a kind of a choke job there for buffalo unfortunate after such a good year that they had they were, they were the class of the mac throughout the whole season but um yeah. northern illinois is just historically kind of the class of it honestly now so but a good a good win for the for the huskies uh right so we got conference usa next um boy what a difference a week makes right um michael you yeah you, you, you kind of mentioned this earlier, how it's just like, if they played again next week, yep. they wouldn't. This it, is this is the, I'm going to use this argument for yeah, years to come. Exactly. <laughs> remember, remember when UAB lost by 24 and then the next week beat them? Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, they were blown out 27-3 last week. Same place, same team. Um, but UAB was able to bounce back and win 27-25 against the Blue Raiders. Um, it's only their second year back from not having a team. I mean, it's unbelievable what Bill Clark has done, and it's yeah. maybe the most amazing thing I've ever seen in college football. I'm not Ooh, even... I thought you were going to end it after oh, ever yeah. seeing. <laughs> ever. What would you say the most amazing thing you've ever seen is? Have you ever seen a man eat his own head before? Yeah. I, <laughs> I figured somebody was going to say that, yeah. You ever seen a golfer with an arm going out of his ass? <laughs> <laughs> that would draw a crowd that would draw <laughs> alright um, <laughs> seriously though I mean they didn't have players they they were gone for a couple of years how did they how did they do this it's uh-huh. uh, it is the most amazing college football thing I've ever seen miracle kick Nebraska 97 kick six I mean, that Alabama, was, Auburn. No, okay, not compared right. to this. Art Sitkowski against Maryland. <laughs> That's up there. Sun Belt Championship. App State won thirty to nineteen against Lafayette. Louisiana, but it was actually an evenly played game. Louisiana had three hundred and one total yards. App State had three hundred, but the difference was a ninety-seven yard kickoff return by App State and two interceptions from Andre Nunez. But I think this is a good showing for for Billy Napier. He's now going to be moving up the ranks as far as the the top G five coaches. I expect within the next couple of years, especially with you know we'll get to some of we'll get to Scott Satterfield, of course, no longer a G five coach. We'll talk about that later. Um, AAC championship. 
Just like in the regular season game, Memphis took a big lead on UCF, and again, they blew it. Yeah, it's crazy how that repeated itself. First half, Daryl Henderson had 10 carries for 207 yards and three touchdowns, and Memphis was up 38-21. Second half, they got outscored 35-3, and this is the craziest stat. In the second half, Henderson, six carries for three yards. Isn't that insane? That's just... I don't think I've ever seen a bigger disparity. Like that's, It's two that's different crazy. teams. That's the most amazing thing I've seen in college football in my <laughs> lifetime, I think. Uh, Daryl Mack had a great game replacing Mackenzie Milton. I, I did not see that one coming, but UCF, of course, undefeated again. Oh, and then one more game I want to get to before before you try. The Drake yeah. hung in there yeah. with Iowa State. They were 40-point underdogs, and they only lost 27-24. Yeah, that's crazy. They they could have won that thing. That's nuts. Yeah. Didn't watch it, but yeah. I'm sure it was good. I'm sure. Was. <laughs> yeah. So my first game in and thank goodness for this one in, in the late window, because the the other matchups were were bad with the Clemson Pitt and Ohio State Northwestern. It's the Mountain West Championship. Fresno won the rematch against Boise nineteen to sixteen in overtime. They had never won on the blue turf before. So if you didn't see this one, most of the game was played in in a snow flurry. The biggest play of the game was when Fresno blocked a Boise extra point with eight minutes left in the game to keep it tied at 13. It's a remarkable turnaround for Fresno. We've, we've touched on it before with uh, Jeff Tedford, but they, had, they only had two wins two years ago before taking over. Last year, they had they finished the year on fire and then this season they go 11 and 2 and they're the the conference champs so they deserve it I'm, I'm glad they they beat boise after last year yeah. good good for fresno next game by the way on that uh missed extra point the it was the classic i think the announcer if i'm remembering the right game the announcer said oh he's never missed an extra point no yeah oh, one of those oh the announcer jinx uh my next game stanford at cal so stanford won the postponed Big game, 23-13. to 13. Cal's offense couldn't punctuate drives, and they had three turnovers, and that ended up dooming them. Stanford has been dominant in this rivalry, having now won nine straight. It was a fairly disappointing season for Stanford. Well, it was a very disappointing season for Stanford's run game. As Bryce Love yeah. and crew, they were held to under three yards per carry in this game, and they only averaged 3.7 over the season compared to last year where they averaged almost six yards per carry how does so, i don't get it with this mostly the same people like yeah they had a lot of injuries yeah, on the o-line even in the second Bryce, string in, in love had some injuries but i don't know he's he still got little, I, he got a little injured last year towards the end and still had great games yeah yeah it was crazy um all right let's get to our segments and we will start with the heisman race the finalists were announced, and they are Tua Tungavaloa, Kyler Murray, and Dwayne Haskins, who, amazing year, but 0% chance of winning, right? 0.1. Yeah. Okay, 0.1. All right, we'll, we'll leave that he's, he's option there. open. Yeah. So, so who gets your vote for the Heisman, and, and who do you think will win? I got to go Kyler Murray. Uh, I haven't been 100% on Tua's train like most of uh, America has. I I think he's great and he's only going to get better, but my argument is that the team around him is insanely talented and against his st- stiffest test of their schedule, Georgia, he he didn't fare too well against them. So, and and Kyler put up just video game numbers throughout the season, both running and throwing. 
over 70% completions, 40 touchdown passes, 11 on the ground. He had the highest QBR in the country. I mean, you could go on and on. So that's why I would have to say Kyler Murray. Yeah, I'm pretty much like you, Trey. I was, even before this weekend, waffling on whether I wanted to go with Tua or Kyler. I don't have a vote, just in case anyone's wondering. If I did, if I did. Uh, so I would go with Kyler as well after this weekend. Um, he he's the stats differential is too big, especially with with the running game. Eight hundred ninety two yards on the ground compared to one ninety for for Tua. So yeah, the 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 stats won out for Tua or for Kyler. Yeah. Did you guys uh, hear that? Like ten percent of the voters had already casted their votes before conference title games happen. Man, this happens every year. Right? Yeah, it's just absurd. I, like you, they should be their credentials should be revoked. I, it's just it's crazy. Anyways, I, I heard that and I got angry again. So I was like, oh, I, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things grind my gears. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. As we know, um, but I, you know, before conference championship week, because this, this is why I got so angry. Before conference championship week, I would have voted for Tua, and I would have had no problem doing that. Um, but after it, you know, the way Tua struggled. Um, against Georgia, threw a couple picks, made a couple of other really boneheaded decisions. Um, and then to see Jalen Hurts come in and star and carry Bama to the win. And then seeing Kyler Murray continue what he's done. I, I agree with you guys. Kyler Murray, the statistics are just, it's too great of a difference now. And with that sour taste in your mouth from Tua's performance, I think, Jay, I think not Jalen, I think uh, Kyler's going to win it. And I think he deserves it. Two year, two years in a row, an Oklahoma quarterback. Yeah, but he had like an even better year than Baker. No, I, I'm not. A, he did. I'm not disagreeing. He, he definitely had a better year. Yeah. Uh, Trey, though, I think you and I didn't say who we think would win. I also think Kyler's going to win. What are the odds, Trey? You texted us earlier today. Oh well, yeah, I saw. According to Bet Online, it was uh, already up to Kyler favored for the first time all year, up to minus two ten. Um, okay. But either way, he was favored. Yeah, I think I saw lower than that. I at saw some minus one sixty two. But uh, yeah, he's e- either way. He's basically not a not an overwhelming favorite, but a favorite. No. So I guess I'll predict he wins. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Well, but when when was the last time I say I say this like I haven't already looked it up, guys? When was the last time that there was any suspense before the announcement of a winner? Was it Mark Ingram? So that you, yes, you can go back to 2009. Mark Ingram was, but he was minus 350. Oh wow! I guess the week of which there there's certainly still suspense there, but that that's a lot bigger favorite than Kyler Murray is at least as we're recording this. So that was the year Toby Gerhardt came in second, Colt McCoy third, and and Dominican Sue fourth, and they all had reasonably low odds chances to win. Um, but so you might have to go all the way back to i couldn't find the odds for everyone but eric crouch when it was him rex grossman and ken dorsey and joey harrington wow Wow. that was definitely a close one you could go back to 95 as well yeah yeah i don't remember how close that was eddie george against tommy frazier but i don't either but you know (laughs) i was eight so i didn't really (laughs) no i don't think you care too much (laughs) didn't care too much i do now okay well that's that any other names you want to bring up for the heisman anyone else that should get some honorable mentions by us. If Minshew, if Minshew won the Apple Cup, you yeah. f- he would be in New York, don't you think? I think so. Yeah. Well, hey, and yeah. and next year, next year, it's really trending towards Art Sitkowski. Ooh, yes, I agree. Prol- some favorites next year. 
Hmm? Wait for our What's wait that? for our preseason episodes. Wait for our previews and stuff. Well, Tua, I think Tua's going to yeah. have a good chance. Tua. If he doesn't win this year, he'll still have a good chance next year. Yeah. Tua, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Who's your Who's your sleeper for next year? Oh, we already said Art Art Sikowski. Adrian Martinez. I knew it. I knew it. I couldn't even. <laughs> you didn't even have to ask the question. He wanted to list him as a favorite. <laughs> he he's gonna be up. At oh God. <laughs> he's gonna. Have, oh, we're getting the hype train started early. He's gonna Ryan's have got his, some numbers, man. He's oh, gonna put gosh. up some numbers. Oh gosh. By the way, one more thing before we stop talking about the Heisman. I think the one thing people are gonna argue for Tua is that he played in the SEC against much better defenses. Right. But I think if you look at Alabama's schedule compared to Oklahoma, I think that's overstated because I I looked up the defensive rankings per FPI of the two teams' uh, schedules. Alabama's opponents averaged the 55th ranked defenses, whereas Oklahoma was 61st. So it's wasn't all that different actually. Not a huge, not a huge gap. Yeah, the whole Big 12 narrative compared to who they played in the SEC isn't that dramatic, like you said. Right, because because. Alabama didn't play Georgia in the regular. Well, yeah. they played him in, in the championship game, but they didn't, didn't play go so well. They didn't play Florida, Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, coaching carousel time. This we're gonna take a long ride on the coaching carousel. We might Ooh, get a lot, a little queasy, but hopefully we can handle Especially it. Especially me, I get motion sickness. Yeah, that's right, you do. Yeah. Fun fact about Ryan. Yeah. Power five jobs. Let's start with those. So first, Paul Johnson is retiring. Which came out of nowhere for me. I did not see yeah, that coming. I didn't see him retiring, but, you know, seems like it was about the right time for Paul Johnson to move on, at least from Georgia Tech. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it kind of capped out there. It, he wasn't going to be taking them to the next level at this point after 11 years. Yeah, if I was a fan, I, I think I'm happy. He he did a good job, but yeah. I'm I'm happy that he's moving on so that they can move on. Yeah, I'm sure they're tired of six and six, seven and five type years, but yeah. Um, Potential coaching replacements there. Seems like uh, Clemson offensive coordinator Tony Elliott is getting a, a lot of run right now, um, as is Temple head coach Jeff Collins. Um, those two guys appear to be maybe the front runners. I know they had a, they interviewed uh, Ken Wisenhunt, but I Oof. I don't yeah that would be oh my god if I don't if they so. do that if I, they I do that I would if I was a fan I would just I would jump off yeah I the, I don't think they will I think what would gonna, you jump off of <laughs> um hmm. That's good. I don't know a, a couch, but no, I, okay. uh, I, it's just Georgia. I think Georgia tech fans have to be happy about this. I mean, really Georgia tech, it should be a really good job. They're in Atlanta. Yeah. Georgia. It's a talent rich state, talent rich area. Good school. Now that Georgia is doing so well, there's no reason Georgia tech can't at least compete, especially in the ACC. Um, so, you know, if they get, like you said, maybe I don't want Wisenhunt if I was a fan, but, yeah. uh, but the two other guys you mentioned, the the Clemson OC and the Temple coach, I I'd be a little more in favor of. I, I think yeah. I, I, mean, I would I want Jeff Collins if I'm them. I guess even that name doesn't blow me away. I mean, he's obviously no. had a, a very good year this year, but I would still like to see more from someone from from Jeff Collins. You'd always if, love if gonna... to see more, right? But there are other guys that have done more. I think at the G five level that like who who do you want? Neil Brown. Okay. He's done more at Troy, Seth Luttrell, and North Texas. Yeah, well, Jeff Collins boom, is... It, boom, he's Ryan, a, how you feel? How you feel about that right in your eyeball? Jeff Collins has all the ties to the state, though. That's kind of the, True. the deal for him. I, I think that's maybe overrated, though. Is it? Prove me wrong. 
prove me. Name one. Name one example of how it's not overrated. Oh, uh, I I just did a, du- a double negative there. I'm very confused about what I just asked you. Yeah, I don't. Somebody that went to their place and it worked out. <laughs> Is that what you're? No, I'm. Let's let's that was, forget <laughs> I said question. it. Forget I said it. Let's get let's get to Bill Snyder. Okay, are we done with with Georgia Tech? Yeah, yeah we're we're well done. Just how Ryan orders his steaks. No, Ryan was Ryan was a rambling wreck there. Ooh, nice, nice. Ryan, what? You you don't think you order your steaks well done? I I don't have to think about it. I know I don't. <laughs> okay. What do you order? I order them? a medium. Okay. All right. Maybe when I was like eight or nine, I would say. <laughs> okay. oh, yeah, How do you order your burgers? Medium well. Oh, medium well. Wow. You have, you've changed. I don't even know you anymore. <laughs> We've lost the podcast. Yeah. Bill Snyder is retiring. Uh, what do you think about this news? And who do you guys think they might hire? It was time, uh, but but his run was really like nothing else in college football. Uh, he was a wizard. He he led them to national relevance, and and then he did it. He did so again after he retired and came back last time. Yeah. Uh, but I think as far as candidates, Seth Seth Luttrell, who Michael you mentioned, he has to be the big get here in my opinion. He played in the Big Twelve, so he's familiar with that. He developed North Texas into a contender. I think he'd be a home run hire for them. I've also seen Brett Bielema rumored where Ugh. I think he'd I think he'd fit, but I'd be a little underwhelmed. I would be very underwhelmed by that. That would be awful. Uh, Jim Levitt, he's a guy that's yep. seems like for years yep. has always been rumored to to take over. That'd be okay, but I agree. Uh, Seth Luttrell, uh, you just you got to get him. Yep. Um, yeah, Bill Snyder though, just one of the greatest coaches of all time, Hall of Famer, just unreal. Maybe the one of the greatest coaching jobs ever. They were pathetic before he got there, but um, I've seen some other names thrown out there. Um, you always see Brent Venables is always a name. He's a Kansas State guy, mm-hmm. coach there, so potentially. Um, Dana Dimmel, he's a Kansas State guy. He's at UTEP. I know they. Oh no, no, no chance. Just saying, I've heard these names thrown out there. Uh, I'm just, I'm just giving my reaction to the name. <laughs> Blake Anderson, Arkansas State, closer. Yeah, and finally, Craig Bull. Nah. Nah. Wyoming. Nah. All right. Nah. <laughs> we should just every job we talk about now, we'll just list off the candidates and just give sort of a, a grunt about what you think about well, it. Seth the trail. I agree with you guys. That's that's the that's the one it needs to be. If yep. you're K-State next one or really anybody. Texas Tech hired Utah State head coach Matt Wells. And sticking with the theme, I'll go. Eh. No, I, I'm. Eh, eh. Yeah, we, we talked about Matt Wells last week, and I would have him a notch below some of the other G5 coach coaches we've mentioned, because he did inherit a, a very successful program. I know it's hard to win there, uh, but up until this year, he was arguably on the hot seat. And of course, we have to factor in this year. He did an amazing job, so I give him credit for that. But I don't know. If, if the rumor is true that they could have hired Dana Holgerson, yeah. then... I would have preferred that. Okay, maybe Dana Holgerson, yeah. But I don't know. I think it's a solid hire for Texas Tech. I'm not going to say it was a home run hire, but he was the 44 and 34 at Utah State. But you got to take that into consideration because one of those years, his star quarterback was hurt for pretty much the entire season. Yep, exactly. Um, And then another year, I think it was 2016, maybe it was, um, they were 0-7 in one-score games. And they went like six and seven that year. So 
That right, you four, dug a little deeper. All right, I'm I'm feeling a little better about it. Yeah, so that 44 or 34, maybe it could turn into like a fifth. You know, they could win five, eight more games, and I don't know. I just it's. I think he did better than it appeared. You know, with what he was dealt with. So fair, fair. The biggest thing for me is, uh, you know, well, like you said, Michael, he inherited a program from Gary Anderson, which ironically he might give the reins back to him, but we'll get that later. But it's definitely a culture shift for Texas Tech as they've they've solely relied on the air raid over the years. So I'm I'm curious to see how much that'll change uh, in Lubbock. One more thing I'll say is for him is he's always had a good defense at Utah State too, which we all know Texas Tech desperately needs. They've had a top 50 S&P plus defense in Utah State every single one of the years he was there, even when they had a bad year. So did you spend like an hour just reading about Utah wow. State, Ryan? You came to was, play on apparently this one. I was really pre- <laughs> one article. Or too much. One article. <laughs> you read one article. <laughs> I read an article. That's about okay. as much preparation oh, no. as I'll do. <laughs> uh, Georgia defensive coordinator Mel Tucker is, I think it's more than a rumor at this point. He's going to be the next head coach at Colorado. Yeah. Do you like this move, Ryan? Give me a grunt. Give me a grunt. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> not sure how to grunt in a positive manner. Well. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good hire for the buffs. Um, Mel Tucker, he's proven to be a great defensive coach at Georgia, but maybe more importantly, he's proven to be a really good recruiter. Yeah. And I think he's going to um, get the talent level up in Boulder uh, very quickly. And they were kind of falling behind as far as recruiting just because of the maybe just the appearance of the school, like it's kind of had dropped down as far as status. So I think this is a great, a great get. He'll get a lot of talent there. And, but I'm I'm also interested to see who he gets on his staff. Um, Cause that's a, that's a big factor. Uh, but I do like it. I, I'm going to give it like a, a minus type of hire. I think it's pretty good. I would agree with that. Yeah. I, I, the recruiting factor is, is what I like about it. And I think he's going to place importance on that in putting together his staff. And he's been around, like he's been in the NFL, mm-hmm. but he's not an NFL guy anymore because he's he does have experience under Nick Saban now and under Kirby Smart. So hopefully he's he's learned the blueprint to yep, yep. H- how to build a program. And he's got obviously a great defensive resume, so I think they wanted to make a push that way. And he's got some passion, some fire, and he's going to be an upgrade over McIntyre. McIntyre and the Pac-12 with it being pretty wide open, there's there's no reason he couldn't make Colorado a little more relevant than they've been. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jeff Brom is staying put at Purdue. How much did this surprise you guys? More or less than than Clemson beating Pitt? <laughs> mm, that's a tough one. No, I honestly, yeah, I'm I'm very surprised. Uh, when home and your alma mater, alma mater, easy for me to say, alma mater calls, <laughs> it's generally a slam dunk. But credit to Brom for staying lo- loyal and, and wanting to continue to build what he calls the impossible at Purdue. It's a bad look for Louisville, though. You know, the athletic department seems to be in complete disarray. The football team is a, is obviously a mess. It's pretty hard for Louisville fans to be optimistic when, you know, one of their prized alums turns them down to stay at Purdue. Yeah, that's the key thing there, Trey, is the the athletic department's kind of a little bit in shambles in Louisville. And I think that's a big factor. And it's also why I'm not stunned that Brom decided to stay at Purdue. He's got a good thing going there. Um, You know, especially in the big 10 West where there's, you know, it's not the East where you're playing the big dogs every, every in, in your division. So he knows he's got a good thing going there. He's got Elijah Sindelar coming back. He's going to have be competing in the big 10 West every year. So I don't know. I, I, 
I don't think he's going to be there for the long haul, but I think it's going to take more than a program like Louisville, even though he is, that is his alma mater to, to sway him away. Okay, so with, with no Jeff Brom, it appears that Louisville is turning to Scott Satterfield from App State. Uh, not official yet, but looks to be headed that way. So what do you guys think about this move? I, I really like this hire. He's done an, a remarkable job there at, at Appalachian State. Um, you know, in, in every single year he's been there, they finished in the top three in scoring offense and scoring defense in the conference. So, or at least the past four seasons he has. So he's doing great on both sides of the ball. And I know he hasn't coached in Power Five before, but I mean, he, when he's gone up against Power Five teams at App State, he, he's doing great. He did did well at what he almost beat Penn State. Uh, then Wake Forest, he almost beat, and then Tennessee a couple years ago. So I don't know. I mean, I know they couldn't, they didn't get Braum, but this was about the next best thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a home run hire. He took over one year before they got into FBS. Didn't have a great first year, but then when they got into FBS, he went six and two in the Sun Belt his first year, and then he's gone seven and one every year since then. So that's an unbelievable transition into FBS. So. Uh, yeah, I I think he's a great coach. Almost as good as UAB. <laughs> well, yes, true. <laughs> okay, next we've got Maryland. They, of course, still looking for a coach. Uh, Alabama offensive coordinator Mike Loxley is supposedly the favorite to get the job, but they're also considering Pep Hamilton from Michigan and then, of course, Matt Canada. And I really don't None like of any guys. of those names. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I especially Pep Hamilton. Yeah, who, like, yeah really? <laughs> who looks at Michigan's offense the last few years and thinks, man, we need that, give me guy. that guy, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> nah. so yeah. And then Mike Loxley, he already had a head coaching job at New Mexico. Obviously, that's a tough place to win, but it went horribly, very bad. It was a train wreck. Yes. Went, and like two and 26 or something. It was horrible. really bad. And he had an altercation with an assistant there. So I don't know. I just I know Alabama's offense has been really good this year, but. I wouldn't be thrilled to hire him. No, and it's not because of Loxley. And, you know, yeah. he those off-the-field issues right there, like, no bueno. Of those three, though, I would I would stick with Matt Canada. I mean, what we saw, that what he did with their offense and the players seemed to rally around him after the whole Durkin fiasco, I would have to give him the upper hand. I mean, at least when you match him up against those, those two candidates you mentioned. Yeah. I mean... It's to me. It, there's a it's a no win situation for th- for those three. Mike Loxley, Mike, you already mentioned it. it was terrible at New Mexico. Had the physical altercation with an assistant, and he had a age and sex discrimination apl- complaint against him. I'm not sure why you'd want to bring that to Maryland after what's kind of just happened there. Uh, Matt Canada was a part of the staff that was part of treating players unfair unfairly. Yeah, I mean, he just got there, but I well, but he was there. I, I kind of want to move on from that. <laughs> Sta- I, I would. I, I'd want to move on from that. I need to. We need to wipe this slate clean and start fresh. A new program, new coach, new everything. And I don't. You know, he doesn't do that for you. Uh, Pep Hamilton. Yeah, we kind of already said that it's not great. But I, I would probably go with him of the three. Oof! That's, I know. Oh, I, you're not giving <laughs> oh, me. Any, you know, come on, Maryland, give me something else. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last Power Five team we got to talk about is actually a voicemail. Uh, I'll play that right now. Hey guys, uh, this is Todd calling from New Jersey. Big fan. Send you guys over the summer. Listen every week. Um, I gotta say, after this week's episode, when you guys mentioned the stuff going on at USC with Clay Helton being retained and the letter from Lynn Swan, as a Rutgers fan, which I know you guys dump on them, which 
they totally deserve it after the history <laughs> they've had, but they're going through the same exact thing. Uh, nobody wants Chris Ash here anymore. Like, nobody. There was money brought up by donors to handle his buyout, but the school didn't want to deal with trying to find a new coach on a, on a small budget, which is the problem right now until we get the full share of the Big Ten money. Um, we got a letter. All fans got a letter from Pat Hobbs, the AD, over the weekend basically saying the exact same stuff that Lynn Swan said in their letter. And then at the end, the kicker was basically asking for more money as donations. <laughs> Season ticket sales have plummeted, and they will continue to plummet because most fans that you see and talk to are dropping their season tickets. They don't want to go anymore. Uh, visiting fans seem to pack the stadium more than home fans. Chris Ash has literally destroyed any kind of momentum that this program has. While still small, you know, over the past 10 years, he's kind of killed it. This season, we thought there would be more improvement because last year there was more improvement than the year before, and there was nothing. Maybe the last few games, you know, the defense started to play a little better, but the offense was garbage because he kept Arter Sikowski in there way more than he should have. Um, oh, how dare you. My question for you guys, I guess, is are Clay Helton and Chris Ash definitely lame ducks next year? Um, does any bit of improvement over this year kind of help their cause and to continue into the next year, or does basically, you know, they're just buying out a year because they don't want to pay the buyouts? Uh, keep up the good work. Love listening to you guys. Bye. Well, it was a interesting uh, listen to that. There, I feel. Yeah, it was a great, a great voicemail. Yeah, it was great. Um, I to answer that question, that last question there, I I feel that Chris Ash is more of a lame duck than. Clay Hilton. Oh, yeah. I feel like Clay Hilton at least has the potential to break through and have a good year. Yeah, he's Clay Hilton's not a lame duck. He could he's certainly you could make more of an argument that Clay Hilton is the right guy than Chris Ash. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Clay Hilton's made a couple of Pac-12 title games, Rose Bowl or not Rose Bowl, but uh yeah, Fiesta Bowl. He went to the Rose Bowl. Oh yeah, Rose Bowl first. He went to the Rose Fiesta Bowl, yeah, Bowl. and he only made yeah. one Pac-12 title game. And then the Cotton Bowl. Oh, Cotton, yeah. So exactly, but Chris Ash. I mean, this was the year where I mean, they exactly they went four and eight the year previous. Got it was better than the year before. So they needed to make another step this year. But boy, they just completely took a step in the wrong direction. And um, I think we'd maybe disagree about Art Sitkowski, though. I think he's going to lead them to the promised land. <laughs> he's a he's a stud. No, um, yeah, I feel bad for him. I can't. I can't offer much hope. Uh, I'd love to, you know, maybe the hope is that you know, just another year in the, in the system, they can show some improvement <laughs> no, and then no. stop, it. Yeah, no. some, stop it. Stop now. No. I, I'm, try, is, I'm reaching. Yeah, I'm reaching. He is a lame duck. He's he has dead. to be. It, it sounds like just whenever they're willing to buy him out, be able to pony up the money to replace him. That's, that's when he's gone. Yeah, Hopefully I, that's after next year. Yeah. And, and the Rutgers program, of course we, we laugh at how bad they've been recently, but, it wasn't that long. In 2014, they were eight and five. Like, this is not an unsalvageable. Yeah. Un- oh, that's a hard word. I should I should stop where just not even try. Unsalvageable. There you go. You got it. Yep. Nailed it. And I lost my train of thought. So he so he I did he brought up the Lynn Swan letter, and I just want to finish with that. This and I I've I've sat on this for a week or I, I mentioned it to you guys. This Swan, his statement included the, this is the quote. Deficiencies in areas that include culture, discipline, schemes, 
personnel and staff. What else is there? <laughs> That's the end of his quote. Those are literally all related to the head coaching duties. It's like it's like that like that office space quote. What is it you actually do here? I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, it, that's, yeah. I mean, it's just like stunning that he put that in the letter. But anyways, he could say the same thing about Chris Ash. Huh? Yeah, right. Yeah, it, Owen Owen nine in Big Ten play. That's yeah. and they lost to Kansas, right? They they got killed yeah, by Kansas. They got blown out. Yeah, that's not that's not good. That's a fireable offense in itself. <laughs> that really it was. is. I don't know. Yeah, I I feel bad. I feel bad they, to be. A, they just can't pay him. They they don't want to buy out. That's the only. That's obviously what it is. Right. It's you know. Okay, G five moves. Let's uh, let's go a little bit quicker with these. We'll go around in a circle until until we get through all of them. Uh, all right. Get us started, Ryan. Sure. Uh, we got East Carolina to start, um, and they have, already taking too long, Ryan. That was that, you got to be quicker. <laughs> they they found their coach, Mike Houston. Uh, he was James Madison's head coach, um, and he led them to a national title a couple years ago. We had three really good years, uh, thirty seven and six there during his time, and so I think this is a good hire. He's got a lot of ties to the area. Um, so it seems like a good hire for, for East Carolina. Um, we're moving on to Utah state. Uh, who, who, who did they fire him? Who, I mean, who did they, who did they fire? You know, the guy that was there before <laughs> Scotty Montgomery, <laughs> Scotty Montgomery. <laughs> oh, yes. no, right. We're going Montgomery. in a circle. Okay. It's my turn. Oh yeah. It's sorry. Michael's turn. Texas state. They fired Everett Withers, who was two and did ten, you know two and ten, three and before? nine. What's that, Ryan? Before, did Did you know who Texas State's coach? Could you have named him before? You know, a week ago. Of course, I could. I could name all one hundred and thirty <laughs> coaches, Ryan. <laughs> sure, he, he, come on. They hired him from James Madison. <laughs> uh, I think. I think that's right. I don't know. Wasn't he Ohio State's? He was Ohio State's. Yeah, he was a co defensive coordinator there. Yeah. Uh, but then he went down to James Madison, was their head yeah. coach for a couple years. Then Texas State. But anyway, time to go for him. And Texas State hired 33-year-old Jake Spavital. Yeah. Uh, he's West Virginia's offensive coordinator and quarterback coach for the past couple years. And before that, he was at Cal as an offensive coordinator. So, I mean, that sounds like a solid hire to me. He's yeah, done a good I job. Think, I'm on board. Yeah, why not? I've got Charlotte. They fired Brad Lambert. And it's been bizarre since then. Last week, all indications were that they were going to hire mike houston from from james madison but then in the in the final kind of last minutes charlotte's ad pulled the offer because houston wanted to look at all of his opportunities and so right now there's actually like no known candidates and it's not really the most appealing job especially after what the ad just did so a little 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 odd well mike houston did end up at a better job at east carolina so true Don't blame him. well if you listen to podcast ain't played nobody they like the charlotte job so don't tell that to them i okay (laughs) (laughs) you're probably not gonna talk to them so it's okay uh ryan your turn oh all right now utah state um there was reports a few days ago that gary anderson was uh going to take the job back um but uh those apparently are just rumors and he's not gonna be doing it but he, he does remain a candidate um, so it could, it could happen, but some other names, you got Jay Hill. He's a uh, Weber States or Weber States. I think it's Weber. It's Weber. I don't know. Weber. Okay. Weber state. Um, he's Weber state's coach. Um, and he's turned them into a, a powerhouse at that level. And then you also got Stanford's defensive coordinator, Lance Anderson, his name's being thrown around and their current, uh, interim coach, uh, Frank Mayle. Um, but honestly, it's pretty wide open right now. I think they hired a firm, so they're just 
getting all their candidates together. So we don't know. Okay. Central Michigan fired John Bonamego, who, when they hired him, was a longtime NFL special teams coordinator who really had no recent college experience. So who would have thunk that didn't turn out well? <laughs> uh, he was actually okay up until this year, but one on 11, it was definitely time to go. And they have hired Jim McElwain. You guys might have heard of him. <laughs> wow he's humping a shark yeah 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 i'm i'm okay with it i mean i don't know i could you could convince me either way i think he did a great job at colorado state probably has some good contacts as far as hiring assistants um yeah it's, but i could also see being like meh jim McElwain. yeah no i'm fine with that one all right i'm gonna go staying in the mac i'm gonna go with bowling green the falcons fired mike jinks earlier and they actually had Carl Polini be the temporary coach for for some time. Carl, lets you know how bad things got there. They have they have since hired Boston College offensive coordinator Scott Loeffler. Now he's an Ohio native, so he knows the general area as we've we've talked about, and he has, but he does have some experience at at big programs like Florida, Michigan, Auburn, and Virginia Tech. Uh, when I first kind of saw Boston College offensive coordinator, I was a little perplexed but when you look at his resume i i think it, it fits all right right on yeah i'm gonna stay in the mac here again we got akron um they got rid of terry bowden um a little surprised by that i know they went four and eight this year but you know they went to two bowl games out of the previous three years and that's a program that had been pathetic for quite a long time and plus they have they have no money that that school is hemorrhaging <laughs> and this, so this is only going to make a harder Where's lebron lebron needs to donate yeah right. <laughs> yeah so i mean that's just going to make it harder on them on the, in their budget so i don't think they're going to have a ton of money to spend a, on the replacement um but the replacements yeah it's wide open a uh, few names to consider luke getzey um he's an offensive coordinator and wide receiver coach for mississippi state right now he was the quarterback for akron i think in the 90s or no maybe Shoot, I think it was. The <laughs> it's 90s. okay. It's not that relevant. He was a quarterback, anyways, when they won their only conference title. So that kind of makes sense. Uh, Ryan Held, he's Nebraska's running backs coach. He was a finalist for the Kent State job last year, so he's a name. Uh, finally, you got Michael Johnson. He's a wide receiver coach for Oregon. He's uh, also uh, a former Akron quarterback. Oh, and Brian Polian, he's Notre Dame special teams coach. Okay, Bill Polian's kid. All right, uh, UMass Mark Whipple stepped down as their head coach r.i.p whipple ball and it was definitely time for him to go he never went better than four and eight and they have hired 34 year old florida state offensive coordinator walt bell and you hear florida state offensive coordinator maybe doesn't sound great but i think it's a good hire he you know this year he didn't call the plays until late in the year and maybe didn't inherit the best uh the best offense especially that o-line and he did a good job with Maryland's offense the previous couple of years when when he had healthy quarterbacks, did a great job at Arkansas State, and he's known as a really good recruiter. So I, I actually really like this hire. All right, Mike. Good. Oh, one more, one more that was late breaking news. Liberty head coach Turner Gill is retiring uh, because of his wife's health problems. So yeah, that's, not a happy story, but no, yeah, that's too bad. Okay, now let's look ahead quickly to the New Year's Six. We'll, of course, talk about the playoff games a lot, I'm sure, in the coming weeks. So let's save that. But which of the other four New Year's Six games are you most looking forward to? So we've got, I'll list them. We've got the Peach Bowl, Florida against Michigan, 
Fiesta Bowl, LSU-UCF, the Rose Bowl, Ohio State-Washington, and the Sugar Bowl, Georgia-Texas. Well, I got to be a little honest. We kind of talked about this earlier, but it, none of these are really jumping off of the page and really exciting me as much no. as it probably should. Um, but I'm going to go with the Sugar, uh, Texas, and Georgia, two big-name schools. Um, you know, this is a great opportunity for Texas to prove that <laughs> they're back um, <laughs> and back to being able to compete with the elite teams. Uh, so, And to me, this game just means more to Texas than it does Georgia. We already know Georgia's back. They're elite. They're at the top. Um, but a win like for like this for Texas could really help um, Tom Herman take that that next step to get to where they need to be. Yep, I uh, I was kind of between the Peach and the Rose Bowl. Actually, I, I'm going to go Rose Bowl. These two, you know, Washington Ohio State, they were conference favorites for most of the year, and we all know that Washington has been fairly lethargic on offense. But now they get to face a weak Ohio State defense for the most part. Uh, so I'm interested to see if Gaskins and Browning can move it and hopefully, or hopefully, potentially match scores with Ohio State. Washington, they've had a solid defense, so I want to see how they stack up against the Big Ten's best. If Ohio State plays like they did against Michigan, then Washington might not have a chance. Um, so th- I'm I'm interested in the Rose. Okay, I'm going to go with the Fiesta Bowl, LSU-UCF. Now, I would have rather had UCF go up against a Georgia because then, of course, they would have gotten a lot more credit than they would get if they beat a good but not great LSU team. But still, if they go undefeated two straight seasons, and especially here with their backup freshman quarterback, if they beat LSU, then that's one step closer to the G5 being treated fairly. It's just one step closer to, hey, we got to give these guys a shot. Yeah, exactly. All right, this is a long podcast, guys. We are we we this is this is a long one. I'm not going to check how long it's been. We've had but some interesting conversations. It's kind of dragged on. We had it's been a good yeah. one. I like it, but time to end it. Let's get to the questionable finish. By the way, guys, I ju- I just remembered this is our 69th episode. So wow, quite the pretty quite good the milestone. Pretty good. Uh, so, what is your favorite sex position? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, wait, that's not, that's oh, not the man. question. Uh, Jesus. There are 39 bowl games this year, but there's always room for one more. What is your idea for the 40th bowl game? Um, I'm thinking we can have the uh, the Arby's We Have the Meats Bowl. Ooh, I like it. I like yeah, that. Yeah, it'll be in Atlanta where uh, Arby's headquarters are. Sweet. They are? Yeah. I had to look I it up. I didn't know that. Yeah. Feels like an Arby's night. It does. I haven't had that for a long time. I would have to say, I want a matchup of the worst teams. Like, what about, like, we look at some rating system. Like, this year, it looks like it would be UConn versus UTEP or something. Like, who is the worst? So, Trey, this is my, that's my idea. We call it the Toilet Bowl. Oh, yeah. All right, so, apparently, this wasn't very creative. but And you play it in the worst state in the country, which is? Alabama. No, what? Oh <laughs> man! Wow, we've got a lot of Alabama fans listening to this, right? As a joke, it's not That's the worst. Joke. I that JK guys. Okay, sorry. North Dakota, North Dakota. That's the worst. Yeah. Well, we can safely say North Dakota, can't we? Yep. Yep. If anyone's listening from North Dakota, I'm deeply sorry. <laughs> Jalen Hurts opened up about crying in his parents' arms after the title game benching. When was the last time you cried? This is easy. 
It was last week when I was eliminated from Pick'em. Oh, yeah. Ooh. All right. Trey, Trey not wanting yeah. to get vulnerable with us. I'm going yeah. real here. Toy Story 3. Ooh. Mm. When they're at the dump, you know, and they're all holding each other's hands going into the, they think they're going to die. That one, that got me. Wow. I don't think I saw that. Yeah, there's some movies that'll, that could definitely get me. I don't remember the last time I watched one, but I'll just always remember Shiloh. Oh, that, man. Or Airbud. Airbud. Oh. Airbud when he tries to. Get like get rid of the dog. The, get the he throws the yeah, tennis ball or something. Oof. Yeah, like floating away on the boat. Or yeah, oh, yeah. God. That was sad. Wow. Uh, no, I'm okay. For me, I'm gonna go real too. Uh, mine was about probably about a year and a half ago. Um, my wife and I were going through a you know like that difficult visa process and just to try to get her here to the United States. And I went to visit her in Colombia for the summer. And when I left Colombia to come back to LA, at that time I had to leave her because I didn't. She wasn't allowed to come back. So. Um, having to say goodbye to her when I was leaving Columbia that at the airport that was uh, that was tough that was tough man card <laughs> oh, <hey. laughs> sorry I'm not afraid to admit it that was no that, was that got moment. really real that was that was hey dude, I mean it's the last time I cried I think that was good no it's good I mean yeah that's a good answer uh, last question last question what non New Year's Six Bowl are you most looking forward to so I'll start. I'm going with the Alamo Bowl. We got Iowa State against Washington State. And, you know, it's two teams that are both, of course, usually not this good. It's a great coaching matchup. Mike Leach and, and Matt Campbell. Great quarterback matchup. Brock, per- Brock Purdy, Gardner Minshew. So looking forward to it. Yeah, that's a good one, Mike. I thought about that. Um, I'm going to go with um, the Music City Bowl between Purdue uh, in Auburn. I think we're going to see a pretty high-scoring, entertaining, close game. And Gus Malzahn, he could really use a win here because he's 1-4 in, in bowl games uh, at Auburn. So not not doing too well there. Um, I just think it's going to be an exciting game. You guys remember Purdue's bowl game last year, right? Yes, they played against, don't tell me, don't tell me, Purdue, NC State. Crazy game. Nope. Oh, what? Who was it? Wake Forest, Wake Forest. Nope. I was Texas A&M. Oh my goodness! What is wrong with me? They played Arizona. So they oh, played they played Arizona. Arizona. Tate. Okay. Oh Khalil yeah. Tate had a great passing day. I remember. Yeah, exactly. In the, in the Foster Farms Bowl. Now you remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. So I totally agree. Yeah. When I was looking at the slate, the the two games that I actually looked at were the Music City Bowl and the Alamo Bowl. I'd probably give a nod. <laughs> it's crazy. We we all agreed. I I'd yeah. probably give a nod to the Alamo Bowl just because I'm. I, I really like both those those teams, both those coaches and the yeah. quarterbacks. So I, I would say the Alamo Bowl. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for uh, for listening to this episode. Thanks for listening all season. And we appreciate all of you who have been engaging with us on sh- social media, everyone who calls into the podcast. We really appreciate that. That's one of the big reasons we do that is we want to start a conversation with random people online. And that sounded creepy the way I worded that. But. <laughs> that <sounded> very creepy. <laughs> ASL. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ASL. <laughs> oh, well, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Uh, sure. We will be here throughout all of bowl season to preview all the bowl games. And next week, our plan right now is to do the second annual Golden Bro Awards. Does that sound good, guys? It sounds like a, sounds like a lot of fun, Mike. All right. So... Great 69 first episodes. Here's to 69 more. (laughs) There you go. Nice. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. 
keep up with the brothers on social media? Like them on Facebook at College Football Bros. Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.